What's happening? Will Freeman, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com Coming at you today to talk about how to tell if you're exceptional. Okay, so it's something I get a lot of questions on and it's because of the way that I present content here. So the way that I've, I define exceptional is the top 0.01%, okay? Meaning that your skill set in that particular area is very rare, very rare. My site is geared towards getting you or talking to guys who are in the top 1%, which is hard enough already, okay? Top 1% is hard enough already. 99% of people are not going to start a business, okay? So I'm not even talking to them. Just to get, when I advocate the service-based business and to make six figures, that's top 1%, all right? And that's hard enough as it is. And I'm trying to give you realistic expectations and real-world metrics as opposed to the person, mainstream personal development where it's you can be anything, you know, everyone can be a billionaire type of type of thing. It is hard enough just to be top 1%. It's hard enough just to get a business going that makes, you know, six figures in, in profit for you, all right, or the developing world equivalent, okay? And that's why the majority of my content is structured in the way that it is. However, I always make sure to give the caveat that there are some of you that are top zero, top 0.01%. Okay, and what I want to do in this video in this audio is to give you metrics to show you, okay, well, you think you can do better than the six figure service business or even even top one percent is still like a service based business that does like 200, 250 grand a year, maybe 300 grand a year in the, in the West or 150 grand in Thailand. Okay, but you want to be the guy who's making two million a year or you want to sell a service a tech startup for 10, 20, 30, 40, $100 million. How do you define whether you're that type of guy? That's what I want to give to you in this video, okay? Because I'm trying to get you to, to 1%, which is happy in your life, six figures, you've got a winner circle of friends, you can get 10, 20, 30 girls a year, um, you've got 50 pounds of lean muscle or you're working on it. That's top 1% in those areas, okay? But the top zero, top point zero one percent is a totally different ballgame. And applied to to business, it's like two million, ten million, you know, twenty, thirty million dollars. Okay. And I'm not top zero one percent of business. Okay, at least in the in in the vast majority of businesses. Uh, because that's why I encourage the service business. All right, because it is the highest probability of success. To build a tech startup that you sell for $30 million is like playing a video game on the insane level of difficulty, all right? Whereas the service-based business is playing it on easy mode. And even though it's on easy mode, it's still very, you know, it's still hard. It still takes years of work to get it there, okay? Um, and that's very important to understand. So I know this from experience. I had a tech startup. It was a flop. However, it, it, we almost got bought out. We, we had a verbal agreement by a Canadian media company. Our business advisor said it's probably going to be two to three million dollars. They're going to buy it out. They're going to take Darren, our developer. He's going to work for them for the next three years. They're going to bring us on board, put us in the golden handcuff for one year. So me and Zach would have to work 
and we'd get paid like, you know, 70 to 100 grand. We'd have to work with the transition team and then we'd be free and I could go to Thailand. And after taxes, I'd be looking at maybe 500 grand plus my salary for that for that one year, which would be another 60 or so grand after taxes. And then I was going to take that and, and head off to Thailand. So I was actually postponing my move to Thailand a year later because I they'd given us the verbal go ahead on this, but they went and crunched the numbers or whatever. They didn't even give us full insight into the process, said they're not going to buy it. All right. And what happened was Darren, our developer, uh, went MIA after that. He was exceptionally smart. Okay. Rockstar IQ, rockstar programmer, but exceptionally lazy and unaccountable. He wouldn't come in for three days. I would sit next to him. He would do two or three hours of work. But we couldn't do anything. I couldn't be hard on him uh, because we had no leverage over the guy. He was made partner before I came in. So he had ownership of the company and no one else could do what he did. Okay. So we had to just gently guide him the whole way through, even though I wanted to kill this fucking kid. Okay. And so what happened was we, we were paying him a living wage. And the second he, he went MIA a few other times, we had to coax him back into it. And he would come back when he spent all the money, right? He would, we paid him on Fridays and he wouldn't come in from Monday to Wednesday and then would come in, you know, Thursday, Friday to get paid. And then he'd say he wouldn't do it again. Anyways, just an absolute, absolute fucking human garbage. Okay. I hate that fucking kid, but he was so fucking smart and no one else could do what he did. We had to treat him with those kid gloves because we had no leverage on him. So he eventually came back and when I sold us into the position of getting this, this big buyout, we were, we were struggling until then. And we thought this is it, our hopes and dreams. Okay. 3 million, whatever. It's not gonna be 50 million, 3 million. That's fucking fine. I'm off to Thailand with five, 600 grand. Darren comes back. He's working full time. When he hears that we don't get bought out, he's gone that fucking day. And, uh, he, he, we're left with this code, which is a mess. No one, no one can make sense of what he did because you can't just hire a programmer and have them be on Darren's level because the kid was a rock star. And basically what he did was he went and took a job making 70 grand. Okay. This kid had a billion dollar brain. He was exceptional. He was a top zero one percent, the kind of guy who should be making $10 million. All he had to do was just try again with another business, or maybe one more after that. And within three years, the kid would have been easily a millionaire. He went off and took a $70,000 fucking job, which was less than what I was making in sales. And this kid had the billion dollar brain, okay? Because he didn't have, he was exceptional in his intelligence, but his work ethic was well below exceptional. It was horrendous, accountability horrendous and integrity, character, absolutely fucking horrendous. And there's no way that kid should have been working a job and making 70 grand, but that's what he chose. He chose. Okay. And tech startup is very fucking hard to do. There was no one in my incubator. And yes, I was in an incubator who got bought out except for one company in the couple years that we were there. And the two or three years before when the incubator was starting from what I heard, one company got bought out and it was $500,000 and it was an aqua hire because they wanted the, they really just wanted the rockstar developer. So they bought the company out. The technology was a little bit useful, but it was mainly to get that rockstar developer on board and, and, and working for them. And 
These guys were at it for two, two and a half years, 500 grand between the three of them after taxes is fucking garbage. Okay, it's garbage. It's less than they would have made at, at any type of coding job, all right? So the success rate is exceptionally low, even if these guys are smart, like all the guys in the incubator are fucking smart, all right? That's what I'm trying to explain to you. The only guy who should be doing that is a guy like Darren, who has, he probably had 150, 155 IQ, an equal, equal to Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates IQ. You could tell him to, to build anything. He could program anything. We would be like, we need, can you do this for the site? He never said no. He, he could just build anything, okay? If you want to do a tech startup, that's the guy you have to be. Because you, you can't be a guy like me. I almost got it, but I didn't have the ability to do what Darren did. So when Darren left, he had a massive informational advantage over me and Zach. And... I couldn't do anything but the code, okay? I'm reliant on people who have a massive informational advantage. So I'm, I'm, it's very much the luck of the draw depending on who I get involved in that business, all right? If you really wanna go into that tech business, you have to be able to fucking code. You can't just be a savvy business guy. You have to be both, okay? You have to have the business IQ, you have to have the coding IQ and the rockstar development, you have to have the work ethic, you have to have the political skills, right? You look at Mark Zuckerberg, he had all those things. He could negotiate with hedge fund managers, he had an insane work ethic, he was a rockstar coder with an IQ of 160, and you know, all those different variables together. You really, really have to be exceptional to do that, okay? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not exceptional enough. I shouldn't have been involved in, in that business, but I learned from it. But what I'm trying to express to you is you have to be fucking exceptional if you wanna go that route, all right? If you wanna go that route. Now, you have to understand that you have to be able to take a really honest look at yourself, okay? And I'm gonna give you an honest look at me and where I'm exceptional and places where I'm below average, okay? So I'm exceptional in logic, uh, in philosophy. I was a philosophy major. One of my specialties was logic, which is actually a, a discipline. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I'm really good at reducing concepts to their most simplistic um, point of view and being able to take complex concepts, reduce it, and give it to you guys so that, that it's easily digestible and understandable. I am, my emotional intelligence is exceptional. I have exceptional experience with girls, okay? That's the one that I'm least proud of. I don't care about my number count, but my number count and the amount of experience I've had in the last 20 years is 0.01%, okay? And because of that and my life experiences and, and uh, all these different factors, I went into this particular business that I'm in now, which is a top 0.1% business, specifically selling personal development products. If I was selling personal development services, like I was doing coaching packages where I can charge a guy $1,000 and you know for the month or whatever, I could hit, hit my goals at top 1%. Okay, but I wanted personal development products. I wanted passive income. I didn't want to have to talk to clients anymore. You know, I'd spent almost a decade in sales doing that. And to have just purely personal development info products, you have to have a top 
0.01% website and now YouTube channel, okay? And I'm top 1% website, probably top 1% YouTube channel in terms of my views. Uh, between the two, it's about 270,000, 300,000 a month. Um, but I'm not quite top 0.1% and now I'm five years in, okay? But I, my goal was 10 years. My goal was when I started when I was 30, by the time I'm 40, I'm gonna have you know, X amount of passive income, top 0.1%, and I have all these factors that make me unique in what I'm able to develop. You know, I have integrity, I can, I know how to, I'm a good salesman, I can package content and sell it, I can reduce concepts, I have vast life experience, I have the logic to be able to present it, and all these other different things that I didn't see out there in the marketplace. I didn't see all the things that I have combined into one. So I rolled the dice, and took a chance on something that was going to be, I knew was a top 0.1% business. And for the first three years, I didn't make any money. I didn't release a product. I didn't release how to get laid on Tinder until year three because I was willing to gamble for that because this time I felt I had all the fucking factors, okay? And I still continue to feel that way. With that said, if I wanted to make it where I can hit my financial goals, I can sooner, or I wanted to make it where I can be just top 1% and hit my goals, I can add the services in and double my income, all right? Could double my income. So there's, there's also that option in this business, which I knew. I always knew that I had, if it wasn't going the way that I wanted to, I could increase my income by selling services. But for now, at least for the next year and a half, I just want to, you know, keep building it up before I do that. All right. So to apply that logic to another type of business, another angle is the Dan Pena angle. Dan Pena, if you're not familiar, is in his 80s. He has been a peak performance coach or whatever you want to call it for the last 30 years. And he's a guy who made like $100 million in the oil business. He's actually made that money, you can verify it, and he's had a number of other successful businesses, and he's a peak performance coach who's really fucking hardcore, right? He just tell guy, he tells guys they're lazy, and you know, really goes hard at them. And he's someone that I recommended in my article, How to Start a Service-Based Business, and I've had a few of my younger guys who've moved away from the lifestyle design model, the one that I'm advocating, to the Dan Pena model. Okay, and the Dan Pena model is to go for the $50 million business, is to set really fucking high standards, all right? And that is cool, that is, a, that is very cool, if you're exceptional, okay? If you're not exceptional, you're gonna fail, all right? That, that's a fact, you're, you're not gonna be able to build a $50 million business unless you're a top 0.1% guy in the skills required for that business, okay? And basically, his method, if you've read his book, How to Make Your First $100 Million, it's a good book. And he advocates you get it from the torrent sites because once he realized that people were torrenting it, he's like, well, I'm not going to sell it anymore. You should be smart enough to get it for free. He's a guy who has a lot of money already and you know, his attitude is pretty cool. But... I read the book and basically he advocates that the CEO is a salesman. Okay, so you 
you start a company and your job is to develop relationships with bankers and you develop the relationships with bankers to go out and get a ton of money. So you sell your company, you sell the banker that you're going to be able to repay that debt and you take on and get as much as you can. So the CEO is not the day to day manager. He is a salesman and you're leveraging and gambling on the fact that you're going to be able to raise this amount of debt from the bank. You're going to be able to raise this amount from private investors. And eventually you're going to hit, you're going to strike oil, right? Like Dan did in the oil business or whatever it is that's in your business, that big windfall is going to come through and you use all the bankers money to provide capital for that. And you take on incredible amounts of stress over a two, three, four year period and continue to sell, continue to, you know, whip the employees and make sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. And if you fail, it's corporate debt and the company goes bankrupt, basically. Now, that is an exceptionally tough model to follow, okay? To follow his model, you have to be a top zero one percent salesman, okay? Dan, Dan tells you in the book, that every sales company he worked in, before he got into the oil business, he was, uh, I think, a broker. He was the top broker in his office, top broker in New York, you know, top zero, 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 one percent salesman, okay? And like I tell you in my book, How to Sell, as I was a salesman, I'm a top one percent salesman. The top zero, one percent salesmen are number one, more naturally talented than me, and number two, sociopaths. So they will shove a damaged, asbestos-ridden home down a newlywed's throat and not care about it. In fact, they might even laugh about it. When I was a currency broker, my buddy would turn to me and he'd be like, and, and he would brag about, you know, most guys are able to take 1% off, off the currency transaction. He took 4%. He'd be like, man, did you hear that fucking stupid bitch? She didn't even know. You know, like, he would laugh about it. Right, he would laugh about how dumb his clients were, and then he would just go back to pleasantly, pleasantly selling them on something else. Okay, the top sociopath does not care, does not care at all. Will sell. He'll he'll take fifty seventy five million dollars from a banker, knowing that he, he he he's gambling with that money and not care if he loses it. Just be like, well, it's not my money. Right, he'll rip a client's face face off and not care because in his mind, business is war, and he's doing what's best for himself and his family. Okay, that's that's the kind of guy that you have to be to be able to make that business work. That's one part. Okay, so your top zero one percent salesman meaning you having incredible natural talent, and you're a sociopath if not a selective sociopath in business. Okay, and I'm not trying to hate on Dan Pena. I love Dan Pena, but he'd probably be the first one to tell you that for him, business is war and he does whatever it takes. And if you don't, then you're stupid and weak. Okay. He could be nice to you and loving to you as a friend and, and is probably a good guy to his family and that. But in business, he's he's I'm sure 100, 1000 percent ruthless. Okay. Just like all the guys that I knew in sales. A lot of them were really nice guys to hang out with and good friends. But in business, they're fucking animals, all right? So that's one part. The other part is you have to have incredible fucking mental toughness. Dan Pena grew up with a father who was a policeman. He's 80, so he comes from that generation that was raised in, you know, just coming out of the Great Depression. 
He was in the military. He went through demanding sales jobs. And just even in his 80s, he's, he's, he's tougher than most guys who are in their 20s. You know, if you look at him and watch him talk. And when you're in a company and you're taking on, you know, 100, 150 million, 200 million dollars of debt, you know, 100 employees, and you have to keep selling, you have to keep drilling for oil, you have to keep doing all these, your stress levels are going to be out of control. He told me that, or he said in the book, one of his partners died from the stress, you know, as they were closing the deal. Okay, that is, it, I mean, you have to be exceptionally abnormally tough. I'm top 1% in mental toughness. I'm not top 0-1% in that, all right? I couldn't run a business like that. Um, you know, I couldn't do what Elon Musk was doing, even if I had his intelligence. Guy has five kids. He works 17 hours a day. His stress levels are out of control because he's trying to put people on Mars and build these electric cars. Even if I had all of his attributes, I couldn't compete with that dude because he would outwork me and he, he, he's able to live with X amount more stress than I am. Okay. So you really have to be cognizant of modeling that path, seeing what it actually takes to succeed using deductive reasoning and seeing if you really are top zero, 1% and being honest with yourself. Okay. I know I'm not top zero, 1% in mental toughness, sales ability, coding, um, work ethic. I'm top 1% in work ethic. I'm top 1% in sales, you know, but that's just how it is. And this is the only business, the one that I'm doing right now, this is the only business where I feel like all my skills combined make me top 0.1%. Like I can be top 0.1% in lifestyle design, in self-improvement, all right? Now, let's talk about what happens if you misjudge your potential. Okay, if you misjudge how exceptional you are and you choose to follow that path and not the path that, that I outlined for you, building that service-based business, okay? What I want to talk about is it's not just time and money and pain because you're going to waste a lot of time and you're going to spend a lot of money and you're going to go through a lot of pain, all right? A lot of guys talk about how, how failure is feedback and, and failure is good for you. Yeah, in hindsight, you you always want to turn negative to a positive, but you don't want to fucking fail in business, guys. You really don't. I failed in four, and I wouldn't wish that on you. You don't want to go into something saying, "Well, I if it if it if I fail, well, fuck it." You want to go into something saying, "I can for sure do this, and I can see the path, and I'm I'm gonna hit a winner on my first time." Failing in business fucking sucks. It's like a bad breakup with a girl or a divorce, or a girl you live with. It's fucking terrible, okay? Especially when you've put your everything into it. You know, you put all your time and your, your money and, and you've suffered for it. But that's just half of it, okay? If you think, well, I can take all that, that's fine. Wrong, that's half of it. The other half, and this is the more important one, is opportunity cost, okay? It's the opportunity cost of not doing something else, all right? And then that's, that's what really stings you. So the first one is you have, let's say you're 23 and you try and do a tech business and it takes you three years to find out that it's failed. You're never getting those, those 
youthful years of energy back, okay? 18 to 25 is gonna be your prime energy for building a business. You're never getting that time back. You're never getting that useful energy. You can mitigate a lot of that. You know, I'm 35. I have a lot of that youthful energy, but I had to hack the fuck out of my lifestyle to get up early, I have to drink lots of water, supplements, eat clean, all this fucking bullshit. Whereas, you know, when I'm 18, I could jerk off nine times a day and then go play soccer. You know, like energy levels were insane. All right. So you're never, you're losing the opportunity cost of that youthful energy that you're never getting back. Okay. You are losing the opportunity cost of making money for three years. Okay. So those three years, you're spending money on your business. You're just making a living wage. Or maybe you've even come out of it at a financial loss. That's bad enough. But the real thing is the opportunity cost of you could have been making money for that three years in a service-based business, reinvesting that money back into the business at compound interest at a thousand percent margins. Okay. Because the service-based business, you know, whether it's real estate, insurance, copywriting, you're you're selling all, all your costs are your phone and your internet, you can get literally a thousand percent margins, right? For the, for the tiny amount that you invest, you can get a thousand percent return on that. Okay. Especially if you're using like Facebook and Google AdWords and stuff, and you can spend a thousand dollars on marketing, get $10,000 in, in return from just one client from one house sold, you know, or one big client. All right. And that's not, not one time that's compounding and you can compound that interest multiple times a year. Okay, and compounding interest is the most powerful thing in finance, right? You can make exceptionally more money in that three-year period and compound that interest as opposed to losing money. So you're losing out on the opportunity cost of making money, compounding it, reinvesting in your business at up to 1,000% margins. That's a massive loss, okay? Not only that, but you are losing the potential clients that could be paying you money 10 years from now. Okay. So in that three years where you were losing money, trying to start that tech business, you could have spent that three years building on clients who are going to pay you 10 years in the future, right? You could, you could have had copywriting clients who are going to be paying you for the next decade. All right. So you're losing that. And I mean, you're really, you're really losing the time that you could have been spent doing anything except failing. All right. It's a bad deal. It really is. They say failure is feedback and self-help gurus always talk about that. And yeah, in hindsight, you want to frame it as positive. I'm not sitting there regretting my failures because regret is pointless. But if I could have a time machine and go back with my knowledge now, I would do it completely differently. And that's what I'm trying to convey to you. Failure in business is not fucking fun. Also, lastly, the cost for misjudging being exceptional is that think of yourself in business as a pro fighter. A pro fighter only has so many knockouts that they can take. If you look at Chuck Liddell, the former UFC MMA champion, in the start of his career, he had an iron jaw. He couldn't be knocked out. By the end of his career, 
you could have knocked him out with a feather because he got he got knocked out so many times and he kept going back to the ring. You you only have so many knockouts that you can take before your body just can't handle it anymore. And you also only have so many consecutive losses you can take before you come back. Okay, it's it's a well-known fact that if a guy, even if he's been a champion forever, like an Anderson Silva, he takes three losses in a row, he's fucking done, right? Two losses, they're talking about, well, it could be over for him, right? Even Joe Rogan, he's been loving the guy for 10 years. The guy's been champion for like eight years or whatever. Two losses, Joe Rogan's like, yeah, it could be over for him, right? Three losses in a row, the guy's done. Because first of all, the physical power, he's been knocked out too many times. And second of all, psychologically, you know, he can't come back from that. It's the same in business. And I'm, I'm telling you from a guy who took fucking four losses in a row while I was working another job, right? You're not normal after that. You know, you can't take, most people can't take three or four losses in a row. They're just going to give up and go back and work a job. All right. You really want to win from the, from the get go. Or if your first is a loss, you want the next one to be a win. You don't want to keep thinking you're exceptional and go in and take three L's in a row, right? That's probably going to be the end of you. It's probably going to be the end of your, your business career because it's that that could span over like nine years, right? Three years apiece for each business. And the, the psychological toll that's going to take on you is not to be fucking underestimated, okay? Yeah, you want to be able to go in and not worry about failure, but you want to do everything you can in your in your power to mitigate that failure up front, which is why I recommend for the vast majority of you guys to do that service-based business. Because that's the one I know that every single one of you listening to that can hit, right? All it takes is, is salesmanship and work ethic and learning uh, the inside the ins and outs of your service at a really high level. And all of you can, can do that just by applying yourself. But not all of you can be um, exceptional and top 0-1%. And the cost of not being exceptional but thinking you are is very, very fucking high for the reasons that I went through. So, in summary, for the vast majority of... For 99% of people, I'm not even talking to you, Okay. Because they can't survive in business. They need someone who's going to, they need to work for someone, period. Because um, it's just going to be too hard. For 1% of you, which is, which is the guys that I'm talking to now, the service-based business is, is my best bet for what you should do. And every single one of you who's hungry for more and who aspires for hire can do that. And then for a small fraction of you, the guys with the high IQ or the exceptional salesmanship or the exceptional, you know, basketball talent from the age of 15, whatever it is, though, when you have that objective external measurement, okay, not just that you feel you're special, but you actually take the IQ test and it's 160, or you actually are 15 years old and you're breaking all the records in your state in basketball. If that applies to you, then yes, then I would recommend or at least allow for the possibility that you go for that brass ring, that, that $10 million or that $20 million or whatever it is for you, okay? Just do not misjudge that. Do not mistakes that make the mistakes that I made where I thought I was exceptional because I felt it, but in reality, I really wasn't, okay? 
It's very important because it, it, it really will fucking cost you. So that's it. If it's still not clear, let me know in the comment section. Uh, let me know if you have any questions or anything else that you need from me. As well, check me out over at revolutionarylifestyledesign.com. Check out my books at the same site, iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook. Check me out everywhere. Thanks so much for watching, listening, and I wish you all the best in your personal development journey.